Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined by Meredith. Hello. Hello. Um, so I wanted to open up the episode by just um, addressing the uh, the elephant in the room. If you follow me on Instagram, you already know this, but I recognize not everybody's on social media. Certainly not everybody's on Instagram. So Maybe you didn't see the announcement, but I just want to say, because I know like some people have been following me for, oh my God, over a decade, like way too long. Um, and we're very invested in our little guy that Desi, my little cat Desi, very sadly passed away. Um, and I didn't want to tell anybody because I was like, oh, just like, it's such a bummer, you know, and I know people really love him. Like I forgot Meredith. I made a calendar with Desi as like the model and people still have the calendar. I remember when you made that calendar. Yes. Oh my God. We were like barely even friends when you did that. I know. Yeah. That, Desi predates our friendship, which is crazy because it seems like we have been friends forever. <laughs> so yes. Like, Although it's probably just because we talk so much every single day. <laughs> we're, we're making up for lost time. Exactly. So I realized there were a lot of people who like love Desi. We're very invested in, you know, uh, his his journey on the show. So I just wanted everybody to know because I felt like weirdly like I would be withholding something from you if I didn't mention it. But if you're feeling sad, totally valid. I'm very sad as well. But let's just remember he was 20, which for a cat is insane. And he had a nice long life. And he's a fucking celebrity, you know? Yeah. And he's, he was a wonderful boy. He was so touched mm -hmm. uh, in the best possible way. You know, yeah, he, he just was, he was our little clown. beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I loved him. He, uh, yeah, he always made me laugh and he was great. He was, a, he never met a person he didn't love. So we can all be happy that he had a very nice long life. You know who loves Desmond and is aware of Desmond? Questlove. How many cats can say that? Not That's many. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just wanted everybody to know. And, like, again, all feelings are valid. But just remember, like, this is also to anybody out there who is thinking about, you know, adopting a pet. You give them an amazing life. And, yes, it's very sad at the end. But just remember, like, 20 years, man. Like, Desi got more good years than most people get. So, Let's just remember that. So, yeah, sorry to open on a bummer note, but I'm like, I, it must be said. Yes. And I think it's good for you to note it. I am very sad that he's no longer with us, but I am extremely happy that you had so much wonderful time with him and that, like, yeah. he was obviously so, so loved and so cared for. And it would make Desmond very happy if you gave yourself a little treat today. So whether you go for a nice walk or you have a drink or you get your favorite dessert, he would love that. So let's celebrate the little guy. And on that note, we we do have a comment um, or a question at Patreon from Mark. That's like a very fun, light question, which I enjoy after news of Desmond. So thank you to Mark. Just a reminder, if you're a Patreon supporter of mine at patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny, for as little as $5 a month, you can send silly little questions like this or recommendations or serious questions, you know, if you're respectful, you know, <laughs> but yeah. like, uh, just a reminder that you get to skip the line 
over there if you are a supporter of mine. So Mark writes, you've just, so this is a hypothetical, Meredith. We are in a dream scenario right now. You've just received a million dollars. Okay. It's exclusively for fashion. Anything is possible. What is the outfit you get made? Even if it's for one night to impress all the strangers. Who are the strangers, Mark? Who are they? Where are we? Is this a Met Gala situation? Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So I don't, to be honest, and by the way, Mark, thank you for asking the fashion question to two women. It's all we can handle. Uh, (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I don't have a specific look in mind, but I'm very in a Moogler phase right now because uh, Moogler just came out with a partnership with H&M that I was salivating over. Um, And I know fast fashion. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just talking about like the look itself. I think I would get like a cunty couture look from Moogler and just frighten everyone. Ooh, that's really good. I, I'm just going to go with the very first thing that I thought when I heard the question. I would get my own version of the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman suit made. Oh my God. Would it be an exact replica? Would it be an homage? Would it be like an updated version? I don't even know what an updated version of that look would be because it already looked so futuristic. Yeah. I mean, it was already perfect. I feel like maybe I would replace the white stitching with like a silver, like a sort of more gossamer kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but otherwise, I feel like I'd probably just keep it the same. Oh, of course, Rosie decided she's going to play with squeaky things. I was going to say, Rosie uh, agrees. I feel like uh, she's being supportive. Um, or, or she's furious that you're saying that you want to look like Catwoman. And she's like, in my house? She's like, you bitch. This is not <laughs> correct. Uh, but that's that's what I think I would do. Because I just... It's my favorite possible thing. And I would make sure that I had my own whip. Oh, yes. And I'm like, sorry, you would have to train for a little while because now everybody has that famous scene of Michelle Pfeiffer absolutely decapitating mannequins with the whip when no one thought she could use it, let alone have perfect aim with it. Yeah, I uh, I, I believe it or not, also thought, yep, well, I guess I'm going to use some of that money for training me to use training? it. Training? <laughs> you would have to. There's a lot of pressure uh, at that point. So, yeah, great question, Mark, though. I wish I had a more specific answer, like what kind of look I would want, but I just know I would want it to be, like, frighteningly fierce. Yeah, and I think that's okay because yeah. that's, you know, you you're doing a great job of knowing what you what you want just by knowing you wanted it to be Moogler. You know, I feel it's important to have like a tableau in mind or even like kind of like um like a mental vision board when you're trying to put together like what your aesthetic is. So like obviously I can't afford Moogler, but I know that's what I'm aiming for, like that level of cunt. So yeah. It helps, you know, when you're going out and you're trying to pull a look together, you're like Moogler, Moogler, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, yeah, this is the kind I want. This is what I want to serve here. Yeah. Right. Lots of black, lots of structured, lots of like pointy shoulders, angles. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
So thank you to Mark. Uh, as a reminder, anybody can send in a question like that whenever you want. Doesn't just have to be Mark. And so, we love FYI, it. We love it. We believe me every time, like the day before we record, we have a last minute, like, what the fuck are we going to talk about? <laughs> so those always help uh, uh, at the beginning of the show. But let's get into recommendations. I wanted to recommend a rare live show recommendation. Ooh. You, it's, I don't think it's playing for that many more days, but if you happen to be in the New York City metro area, do you go see the sign in Sydney Bernstein's window starring Mr. Oscar Isaac and Ms. Rachel Brosnahan from <laughs> Marvelous Miss Maisel, if you're a fan of that show, and Oscar Isaac from being uh, the hottest man alive? We all know him from that. Um, it's great. It's it's a very funny play. And I was really, really impressed by Oscar. Like, I know he has a background in theater, but I was sort of like, I don't know, is his charm really going to translate to live theater? And I am happy to confirm he's still the hottest man alive in person. It turns out that yes, his charm is visible and experienceable through, uh, like in a theater. That's good to know. And I was about to say they have really good chemistry, but honestly, I feel like he could have chemistry with a mop. So (laughs) I, I really can't, speak to if they have specifically good energy or extraordinarily good energy. I was very entertained. They're two hot people and they make out a bunch and get naked and it's not fully naked, but you know, like they, they strip down and uh, yeah, it was very entertaining. Ooh, I love that. And I love that for you. Like- and guess what? Tickets, especially if you're on today, ticks are very cheap. Like, I think I got my seat and I was front of balcony for $40. Wow. So if you do the day of lottery, you can get a really, really good deal. So just FYI. Amazing. Also, I'm um, not getting paid by today, Tix. I should be, but free ad. <laughs> the number of times you text me and you're like, oh, shit, nope, I'm going to another Broadway show. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> Thanks, today, Tix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, guys, they have good deals. I don't know what to say. Especially like the city is so goddamn expensive. It's like the one perk we have is we can do the lottery. So if you've never done the lottery and you live in New York City, you gotta. You simply must. Yeah, that sounds that makes a lot of sense. I am excited to recommend, and I think you know what I'm about to say. Yeah. Eurovision. (laughs) We're recording on Saturday and It is, uh, the final is today, May 13th, and it's going to be absolutely incredible. Uh, It'll be available on Peacock once it actually airs, or it airs on Peacock, and then you'll be able to watch it if you search for it. It's so good this year, guys. So, so good. Like, truly, the number of songs that are actually, like, legit fantastic is, like, surprising like it barely ever happens the staging is cool there are uh so many funny characters um i noticed peacock had like a recap on their main page which is really helpful because i feel like for people like me who don't follow like the preliminaries and like have no idea what any of the teams are it can feel like overwhelming so it's cool peacock put together like a highlights reel so if you don't know where to start and you're going into the finals and you're like what the fuck's happening you can watch that and it'll be very helpful 
yes, it'll like, introduce you to the to the people who are are performing, who are in the finals. Um, I am rooting extremely hard for Finland uh, mm-hmm. and the young man named Karia, who is uh, performing for them with his song Cha Cha Cha. It's a delight. It's dark hyper pop. He wears uh, a lime green bolero and no shirt. You must. And he rides a human centipede of <laughs> dancers clad in hot pink and doing like those creepy smiles pasted on their face from the movie Smile. It's incredible. It's just, and the song is about social anxiety and depression and figuring out how to loosen up and the dangers of relying on alcohol to do that. So it's like secretly smart and has a good message, but really it's just that this guy is such a weirdo and it's glorious. I I know some of this because when I was in Australia, Will is really into Eurovision and he was like, do you know like who's going to be in Eurovision this year? And I was like, no, not really. Other than like what you've told me about. So I got a little rundown from him, but my favorite part of all of this Eurovision uh, coverage has been (laughs) whenever I go on a Twitter, like no one I know uses Twitter circle. Meredith is like holding court during Eurovision, like having conversations about Eurovision. Uh, I'm sure doing play by plays literally every time I refresh, it's like Meredith is active. And I'm like, I could see that. (laughs) Well, it was the the best way for me and my internet (laughs) friends who also love Eurovision to have a conversation while things were while the contest was happening. So we just decided to do it. Yeah. It was the first time I understood Twitter circles because I was like, oh yeah, like for Eurovision, this would be like such a convenient way for everybody to hop on and just like gab about it. It was the first time I understood like a practical use of Twitter circle. (laughs) Yeah. Trust me. It was the first time I had ever thought that too. So Uh (laughs) especially because Twitter is now famously dead. Um, Instagram's dead. Um, TikTok's insane. But yeah, we do you think we're just going to go like full circle and go back to MySpace? Because that would actually work great for me. Uh, I mean, that would be fine with me if we did it. I have Mm -hmm. so few feelings about social media now I'm just like oh just I need to have a real reason to get off and frankly that is me waiting for somebody to invite me give me an invite code to blue sky and then I will tell myself that I'm not going to do anything on there and not get addicted and god only knows if that's true here's what's absolutely not going to happen Meredith and I are absolutely not going to ask publicly on Twitter for anyone to send us a blue sky invite link but if you have one send it to your girls, send it to Meredith. We're just going to invite each other. So you don't have to send it to both of us. That's very um, true. Yeah. So, but if you have one, yeah, because it, it does feel, and I know I say this every time we talk, but it truly, truly feels like the end for Twitter. It just is a fucking ghost town. Like it, ugh, it's just like a shell of what it used to be. So yeah, I guess if we're doing blue sky, hook us up. Yeah. Um. You want to talk shit about a bunch of TV? Yes, please. All right. And I really, guys, I have to emphasize I didn't want to do this during the WGA strike just because it feels like a faux pas to be shitting on writers during a strike. But 
let's just say it goes without saying we support the writers. The writers should get what they're asking for. What they're asking for is very like base minimum demands. So all solidarity with everybody striking right now. However, (laughs) like they're striking. These shows were completed before. Yes. These are not like scabs who ruined our shows. These are like the staff writers who have done this. So I just, you know, I feel like we can have a constructive conversation about this, but I feel a little gaslit at the moment because, you know, I was just talking about how Twitter is a shell of itself. And I've just noticed that the stands have just dominated certain shows. And it's it's a little crazy making because I feel like the quality of the shows we're about to talk about have dipped significantly. And yet every time I go on a Twitter, it's a bunch of like 14 year olds who are like, oh, my God, like this was so me this episode, you guys like they spoke to me and this. And I'm just like, I feel insane right now. I just I feel like a little of the criticism is lacking right now because people don't want to be mean and they especially don't want to be mean right now. Yeah, but I think there are I've noticed this, too. We had this conversation every time new episodes come out, like and keep in mind we are ex- like succession is not included in this. Uh, no. They have been, you know, however they run their writer's room fucking works because they have everything plotted brilliantly. But I just, I feel like there's two, a lot of the big shows and we can just be honest about it. We're talking about yellow jackets and we're talking about Ted Lasso. Um, very, very. Yeah. And very, a lot of, you know, certainly Yellow Jackets and Ted Lasso feels like they took too many notes from fans. <sighs> I Ted Lasso, it is, they made every character Ted. And I'm like, that is just such a base misunderstanding of what worked in the first season, which is Ted is the weird one. Ted is chronically optimistic and we find out after a while that's because he has severe depression. That's fine. That reveal I thought was really interesting. But now every character comes from this ooey gooey place of just trying to be a good person all the time. And I'm like, you completely killed what was good about this show. And it's just, I know there's a lot of blame being put on Jason Sudeikis, but he's not the only person in that room. (laughs) It's like a bunch of people went along with this and it is just dire. What I'll say of the three of these shows, I think Yellow Jackets still is the best of the three, mm-hmm. even though the quality has dipped a lot. Ted Lasso's bottom of the barrel. I stopped watching entirely. I'm still watching Yellow Jackets. I'm still watching Barry. It's not funny. It's so overly, oh God, and I'm so sorry to say this and sound like your racist aunt. It's so woke that it sounds like an after school special. The yeah. clip that's being passed around on Twitter is the one of the soccer players talking about consent (laughs) in the locker room. And I think there's a way to write that scene that doesn't sound like it's a bunch of New York progressives writing in the voice of British athletes, but they missed the mark so badly in the scene, so painful. It was being mocked so badly on Twitter. A rare moment where people felt it was okay to get negative about this show on Twitter. And I'm sorry, the whole show is like that now. It's really, the quality of writing is appalling. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry to say that because I know it's, 
it's so difficult to do a show. Everybody's trying their best. I know some of the writers and I know they're lovely people, but yikes, I don't know what's going on in the room. And I'm not blaming anyone. Maybe it is a Jason Sudeikis thing where he's like, I want the show to go in this direction. And everybody's sort of like, oh, okay, you're the boss. But oof, I can't think of many shows that took a nosedive that fast. Yeah. And I think it's okay to be frustrated with it. Like there are clearly incredibly talented people and they did something interesting, but now they've just forgot that characters need to be well-rounded and need to have, there needs to be conflict. It's like, okay, guys, like this is not development. You're just turning this into, to me, it has felt like it's going the way of later seasons of Parks and Rec. Ooh, yeah, that's another one I could not do. Yeah, and but I, I said, like, are we mean? Are we mean people? Because like, I just feel like it's not entertaining to watch a bunch of people try to be nice. That's just yeah. not my vibe. And I felt the first season of Ted Lasso worked because he was always trying to be the best person he can be. Mm-hmm. Which is very inspiring and very sweet, but constantly running into the block of these jaded British motherfuckers who were so funny and just appalled by his niceness and optimism. And that tension was the comedy and they got rid of it. And I'm like, I know there's a bunch of funny people in this room. Y'all are very funny writers. Y'all are very funny comedians. What the fuck happened? Yeah. I have, I just don't know. And so let's also talk about Barry, which I think does have different problems. Like you described it really well to me (laughs) uh, as saying it feels kind of like a kid telling a story. Yeah. And then, and then this happened and then then, this happened. And then, and then the bad guys come and the other bad guys fell into the, the sand and, and nobody saw it happen. And you're like, okay, okay, Bill. Um, yeah, I, I heard another theory that like Bill Hader figured out he can just go direct movies. And now <laughs> he is like, we got to wrap up Barry. And I understand that. And I think Bill is a really nice guy. Very funny, obviously. And there's a b- bunch of very funny people who work for that show. But what the fuck is that show now? Like, mm-hmm. we just jumped eight years into the future. Why? Because you thought that would be like a cool cutaway? Like, why is anything that's happening happening? And it's so disjointed and not funny. <laughs> we've we've completely um, given up on being funny at this point. Which again, if it's like dark in an interesting way, maybe you could get away with, but it's not even dark in an interesting way. And it is just fucking meandering at the end. And I, I don't think they're going to stick the landing because I honestly don't even know what they're going for at this point. Yeah. And I think that's fair. And it sucks because like, again, that show is awesome in the early seasons. And I have so many questions because I just want it to, I like it when shows go places, when they feel like they've been plotted out and there's so much that doesn't feel plotted out here. And I think the relationship between her character's name is Sally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the leads, uh, Barry and Sally. It was always a dark relationship. What it has become is like so upsetting that 
I'm like, she has to kill him or something at the end. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. I know she went with him technically willingly, but she's been a hostage in this relationship since the beginning. And it's like not entertaining to watch anymore. It's like really sad. Um, and I, I know that Bill Hader knows that Barry's a bad guy because I've heard him in interviews and, you know, he, I think he would identify as like a progressive and like a feminist. And like, he understands that this is not a good relationship and it's very toxic and Barry's bad. I just don't know how he ends this in a satisfying way <laughs> at this point. Cause now there's a kid, there's a kid in the equipment. I, I just don't know. I, every episode I've been mystified and, um, I'll say of the the three of those shows, I gave up on Ted Lasso entirely. At least with Barry, I'm not on my phone. Yeah, yeah. Which is, we've decided officially the (laughs) mark of a a TV show losing us. I think that's fair. And every single episode of Yellow Jackets I've been on my phone. I get so fucking bored with that show. My main thing with Yellow Jackets is we've now reached a moment in this show that should be the most exciting moment that has ever happened, right? Which is all of our characters who were friends when they were young are now grown and reunited. And we have been waiting for this to happen. It finally happened. I didn't give a shit. Yeah. I was really confused, excuse me, by how uninvested I was. I was like, oh, shouldn't this hit harder? It should be a big moment. And I I think the problem at this point is if we've now committed to the structure being present day cutting away to the past, there has to be a more compelling action in the present. And right now, all of like the interesting backstory stuff is happening in the past. Yeah. So every time we cut to the stupid cult shit, I'm like, I don't care. Like, I don't like Lottie as a character at all. I think she's incredibly boring. (laughs) Sorry. She's been very, very boring. Um, And I don't feel like if the point of their adult storyline at the moment is that they're processing their trauma somehow and bringing, you know, trying to deal with this, uh, which I guess is what they're doing. um, It doesn't feel super earned because there are still so many weird, creepy mysteries that are just sitting there um, in the past that aren't coming up. And I don't feel like they've earned the way that everybody's trying to say we've repressed this stuff, you know, like, like, Oh, we don't remember it. Like they had to dissociate, you know, the shit, like the little tricks of this entire relationship with this person was imagined that they keep pulling is like so tiring because like that might've been a cool reveal at first, but now if you're telling me anything I see in the present could be fake just because it's convenient for the writers. Yeah. That that's that strikes as hollow and that's when people aren't invested anymore. That's when it gets boring. That is what is happening. Um if I I want to say nice things too, I think Christina Reach, I mean all the actors are amazing. Juliette Lewis, um oh my god. Ma- Melanie Linsky. Melanie Linsky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, phenomenal. So, like, please know that it's never a complaint about the actors. Again, it is just, I was hopeful 
for season two because when they didn't hold the cannibalism for the finale, I got very optimistic because I was like, oh, wow, that means they have a lot left, you know, in the chamber. And then we've just been, again, fucking meandering. And I'm like, I'm getting nervous. I'm getting really, really strong lost flashbacks, partly because there's a lot of lost homages (laughs) in Yellow Jackets, including a fucking hatch. Uh, Drove me nuts when they did that. Um, But also in the sense where they've introduced a bunch of really cool, mysterious elements no answers. And now it's starting to feel a little like, oh, fuck, do they not know? Yeah. And, you know, it's okay if you don't know, but this is just, ugh. And from from my perspective, um, and I'll try and do this without spoilers, um, the first season felt very much like they understood, okay, these girls are like elite athletes, but like the writing came from a sort of goth outsider perspective yeah yeah. and this season is giving me really heavy theater kid vibes oh, and yeah. i yeah is that because it was a fucking our, musical number i know you didn't want to do yeah spoilers, well but but yeah. that that so i saw that and i was like jesus christ guys this isn't the fucking magicians like i don't, don't know do why this. that's always and i think you're right it's just there's a theater kid in the writer's room it's like you get two seasons in episode five or six and someone's like you know what we could do guys and it would be like really fun and like different we could do like a musical episode and you should just like fire that person at that point yeah (laughs) anyone i i think that anyone who suggests musical episodes of anything immediate firing immediate guillotine i think it's one thing if you're like in a supernatural type situation where you're on like season 20 you've completely run out of ideas. You're like, gosh, should we just do like a fucking Christmas musical episode? At that point, I'm sort of like, y'all have earned to do something a little weird. We're not that deep into this show and you're doing that? Like, I'm sorry. I just, and listen, it's just because we don't vibrate on that frequency. We're not, I like musical theater. I'm never going to volunteer to write a musical number, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So I, I recognize you're talented. Um, <laughs> like, you're, you're not a bad person. I just, it takes me out of an episode so quickly and makes me mad. Yeah. When they pull that shit. This is, I, I just completely agree. It's so frustrating. I, and it takes up time. It's like, I That's felt myself really, really noticing. I was like, okay, you're going to do this and you get this surprising you know fucking cameo in this weird musical dream sequence but you aren't going to like there you like you don't have any interest in answering the actual questions like like here's a question here's a question we could be answering instead of christina ricci doing a weird musical number where the fuck is ty's kid where is ty's partner in the hospital yeah where is the kid That is a very good question. Who's watching her son? And Ty has not once brought it up. Ty's like, Ty has a lot of issues. She's a good mom. She loves her kid. I I won't say she's a good mom, but like she loves her child, you know, and she would want to know where the child is. (laughs) Like we can't get like a phone call with like her, like she doesn't even have any living relatives, I don't think, but like a friend, a neighbor, like, hey, is he there? Great. (laughs) (laughs) We don't even explain that shit. We get a musical number. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, exactly. This anyway. is it. And I'm definitely not one of those people who believes that like the plot has to be happening all the time. Like I right, do want right. character development, but I don't get why they focus on, you know, so many like torturous details of Shauna. And yeah, we don't get to see, we don't have any idea what's happening to Taisa's kid. Um, or hey, like, remember when Shauna almost beat Lottie to death and no one did anything? That was cool. Yeah. Everybody and just I think stood that's by. One of the memories we're supposed to assume that they've repressed so they can all like dance together as adults because they don't fully remember what they did. But what happened in that moment that they were all just sort of like, yeah, you know, she needs to get this out of her system, you know, like, like fully almost killed Lottie. Yeah. <laughs> like what? I know. And I'm like, okay, so we're just going to pre- like, we're just not going to have the number of times where I look at like Sean is doing something and I'm like that you guys aren't going to bring anything about her dead baby into this. Like it, she just, we don't even know, like we can't just pretend it didn't happen. Like they're literally like, flashing back to it. <laughs> this might be like picking nets a little bit, but the, we are meant to believe that they all have all of this tremendous trauma, right? Like to the mm-hmm. point where Ty has a split personality. Shauna's just a complete emotional train wreck. But apparently everybody kept it together long enough for us to get into present day. And not only that, but like Ty has like a successful political career. And I'm just a little like, what activated all of this? And like, how did they keep it together long enough? I'm wondering if actually we will get an explanation for that because it seems like, at least with Ty, part of the reason she was able to have this successful political career is at least she believes Lottie protected her. Yeah. Um. So that could be interesting if we get more of an explanation about that. But I, it, it's a little odd to me that these women are so traumatized for understandable reasons but ostensibly we're doing pretty good until recently yeah and that's sort of fascinating to me i mean it's like okay yeah natalie like natalie's the one that makes the most sense to me i'm like yes of course she developed a massive substance abuse problem train wreck yeah absolutely like who would not had they been through that um so yeah i i'm done with ted lasso as i said Barry's very close to being over, so I'll I'll see that to the end. But I'll just say, like, I think there's a way to acknowledge when the quality of our favorite shows has dipped in, like, a respectful way that could be constructive. I don't think we have to just blindly defend a show because we used to like it, Ted Lasso fans, you know? Yeah, that is, I mean, it's starting to get toxic. And I think that, of course, is one of the reasons why Twitter is so dead because it's just people, like, defending their favorite thing good like i'm sorry if you think the little mermaid looks good i i just like seek help people seek seek help help. and like here's the thing hallie is incredibly beautiful wildly talented the racists who came after her for that reason can go fuck themselves you don't need to defend that movie (laughs) because of that you can defend your girl you can be like she's you know she sings beautifully everything i've heard she sounds great it looks a mess. It looks appallingly bad. I'm sorry. Aquafina is scuttle. What the fuck is happening? I like, know. and it it's okay to admit that this is fucking stupid. It is, and yet, and and like <laughs> they're like these are just naked cash grabs. We don't have to yes. act like we're doing something. It's not art. 
is none of this is art. Like, and that's okay. If you want to go watch, I watch Marvel. Marvel's not art. You know, like I know that, but I think everything just sort of gets blended together on Twitter where suddenly you're fighting Nazis and you're like, I love the little mermaid. It's like, no, you fucking don't. Like maybe you're a fan of Hallie and you're like excited that she got this big role and she'll hopefully get future roles. And I, from everything I've heard, she's not the issue with that film. You don't have to say this is good, should exist, or looks good. You know, like, yeah. let's be real. Because I don't take you seriously, especially if you're a fucking critic and you got invited to the premiere. And that can be very exciting. And it, you know, can make you think things are good when they're not. But like, maybe this is because I'm not a Disney adult, but I'm just like, if you like this, everything you say is suspect to me. Mm hmm. And I, I know that's harsh, but I think so lowly of your opinion. If you look at Sebastian and Scuttle in this fucking remake and you're like, I think it looks pretty good. I'm, I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, totally. Absolutely it's a nightmare. Agree. It's a nightmare to look at Sebastian's little beady eyes. Oh, I don't want to think about it. No more. No more. Okay, so on that note, uh, I will say I want to recommend the new Guardians. Speaking of uh, trash that we love, it's the last movie that James Gunn did for Marvel before he's going to DC. So that's very interesting because guess what? It's fucking great, guys. I think it firmly places Guardians as the best trilogy. Well, maybe next to Captain America uh, in the MCU. It's a return to fun visuals, great character development. I will say it is very heavy. Like, for example, mm, there's a lot of animal cruelty in it. So I wouldn't go see it, um, say, the day after you have to put your cat down, for example, because uh, it's very intense. And there were, like, extremely young children in my viewing that I was like, Oh, Yo, no. this is like legit scary because it the this isn't a spoiler, but the backstory is that uh, or the plot is we find out the backstory of Rocket, who was created by um, an insane man who uh, was trying to perfect life, basically. And uh, so he was tortured and we see that and we see his little buddies that were also tortured and we meet his first family. Um and it, it's a very sad story. And like I was openly weeping <laughs> through most of the movie. And a lot of people had that response. It's really, really emotional. It's very, very dark. It's great. Um, I'm very curious to see what happens going forward. It does feel like the end of an era for Marvel. I don't think we're going to get um, this quality of story for a while because it would be impossible because we spent like a decade with these characters. So we care about them. And now, I mean, Marvel has always been a content factory, but now we don't even get to spend time with the characters anymore. And Marvel keeps asking us to care about them. And Which it's like, is well, the, not how, not how good storytelling works, guys. <laughs> it's just spend, not. Especially with your, your female characters, you don't spend any time developing them. And then I'm supposed to be like, rah, rah, girl power in this moment. Like, no, I just, it's insulting yeah. to do that, you know? 
And um, I, I mean, the, uh, like, I saw something hilarious. Oh, it was, so Karen Gillan, who plays Nebula yes. in the trilogy. Great. So good. She's wonderful. I'm so happy that she got that Marvel money. I mean, Oof. granted, she was on Doctor Who for a long time, so yeah. she's already just fine. And she's, like, six feet tall and gorgeous and Scottish, so, like, she doesn't actually need my help or my approval. However, uh, somebody, you know, she tweeted something about how she was, like, accidentally forgot to take uh, – uh, uh, she had to do, like, a couple therapy Zoom appointment in her Nebula makeup. <laughs> That is so funny. And so there's like a picture, you know, she blurred out the um the therapist face, but it's like her and her husband on this Zoom call and she's like in full makeup and I was you like this what? is the greatest thing ever. And I was like, also, okay, you have given me more in that tweet than I feel like I get in the movies. <laughs> I feel like if she's willing to do couples therapy in her nebula makeup, they're going to make it cuz I'm like if he was ever like she's not committed to this and she showed up like that, I would be like, "Oh, she loves me." <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, this woman, she does not, she's not going to sleep on this. But then yeah. that led someone to note that uh, Matt Smith did Morbius because oh, she yeah. told him that she had so much fun on Guardians of the Galaxy no. that he agreed to do a comic oh. book movie. And oh, I was like, no. oh, no, to his credit, at least he did look like he was having fun. But oh, my like God. He was having the best time. Yeah, I... She's wonderful. And and I'm really, really glad that they developed Nebula. And I am over the moon with what James Gunn did with Gamora at the end of this film. I found it legitimately moving. And it let her be her own person. And it addressed a thing in Peter Quill, which is he's a fucking man child who's traumatized. And he needs to go home and just chill for a while and not expect a woman to fix his life. Yeah. And he does it in a way that is not after school special. It gives Gamora, Gamora gets to go off and be a badass pirate. I guess like, yeah, I'll, I'll put spoilers at the top of the show, but like, it, it's so cool and it's, it's sad, but it's not because you're excited for her. And yeah, I just thought he did a lovely job um, ending this, this long journey that he's been on. But it is interesting that he's going off on such a high note. And now I don't know what's going to happen to Marvel, guys. Like, it's definitely. <laughs> I mean, things, they're, they're in a precarious position given what their tenure, their next tenure plan is and some of the elements of real life that have started to upend that. <laughs> it was the one time they built everything on a single actor, and that was Jonathan Majors. Not he great, guys. Not the, great. Here's the thing, and I said this to Meredith, if you're going to do that, why did no one do their due diligence and do a fucking background check on him and call his other jobs? Because there are people openly talking shit about him for years and how unprofessional he was and how abusive he was on set. Somebody would have said to Marvel, this guy's a fucking liability. Without any of the other more serious accusations, you know, like beating women. Yeah. Um, and and it's fascinating to me that they, like, I, I have to imagine some of these things started to come out on set when he was for working sure. on, for sure. you know, other stuff, on Marvel things. So how how did this all just get ignored? I mean, I, I think at that point, 
they were too far in. And I bet you anything, they were ignoring red flags like crazy. Absolutely. At that point, I mean, they were yeah. way too far down the road. I'm talking about you're still in the initial casting phases. He's one of eight names. Yeah. Make a few fucking phone calls. And I know it's a little bit more work, but how much money is he costing them right now? Yeah. Because they didn't do that. Or and maybe, Frank, God, you know, maybe they did do it and they just fucking ignored it. I don't know. See, that's what I think we talked about this. Uh, we were texting about it. I think that's what they did. Yeah. I think they knew and they just didn't. They, they were like, I think we can we'll handle manage it. this because yeah, we have yeah, the yeah. most power. It's like, we can well, handle do, anything. They were probably like, we'll do what they did for Ezra. Yeah. Um, you know? uh, and it's, uh, it's just so frustrating. And God, like, I've seen the preview for the flash like what the fuck uh, uh i'll have you know that david zasloff says it's the best movie he's ever seen in his life so oh yeah well that guy is definitely <laughs> someone i trust uh, i'm biased so there you go yeah um, um but oh so and if anyone is sort of interested in what james gunn used to do before he became a massive successful comic book movie director watch the movie slither it's yeah. such a fun horror comedy. It has so much, uh, like, it ha- it's just so fun, so silly, so gross, so re- weird. Fantastic cast. Michael Rooker, Elizabeth Banks, Nathan Fillion, Jenna Fisher, a bunch of other people that you will recognize. Just, like, what a fun weird little movie that I think like deserves a second chance. If you are curious about why this guy's brain is so weird. (laughs) I I do have to say it was interesting to watch a film about a little creature that was created by a massive entity go on to thrive and, and flourish and for the creator to turn on him it felt very much like James Gunn's relationship with Disney. <laughs> he was sort of like, he's Rocket. And he was like, I'm I'm doing good. I'm using the tools you gave me. And suddenly Disney was like, we will crush you. And he was like, ah. <laughs> you know? He's like, oh, no. <laughs> I have miscalculated. It felt I, a I, little bit like yeah. therapy for him. Yeah. Yeah. I do think, though, that like the fact that he came up in the trauma universe means that like he's unkillable. Like oh, he listen. is. I, I just like I have respect. If you can make films for Lloyd Kaufman, absolutely. Disney will not scare you. Don't worry about James <laughs> Gunn. James Gunn's going to be just fine. He's having the best time, guys. I do want to talk about before we run out of time. The Dune two trailer came out and changed lives, and I want to talk about it. It's oh so my good. god! It's I I am not as huge of a Dune fan as you, but I am a huge yeah. Denny fan. Yes. I am so fucking psyched. Like, and I should say, I am a fan of Denny's Dune. It's like, yeah. I love, I'd love David Lynch, but I, I never saw the original. So I never, I, I love like Twin Peaks because of David Lynch, but I never saw his Dune. My love of Dune is Denise Dune and I, how I instantly I was immersed in that world and fucking in love with every piece of it. And the fact that he did that quality of movie on like a fraction of a Marvel budget is stunning and just a testament to his team and shooting on location 
on like real areas where actors can get like, you know, a, a tactile feel of what's happening. Um, he's just a fucking genius. He's a genius. I, mean, I do not care how much it cost, how much work it took. The fact that they're talking about the worm, like riding the worm being like requiring practical, like practical effects. Timmy, that- Timmy was on a worm. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy rode the worm. Timmy rode the worm. What do you I, want like, out of a fucking movie, people? I am so like I'm sold. Like that Austin, is Austin Butler looks so crazy. I am like so excited. What's he gonna sound like? He doesn't talk in the trailer. Does he still sound like Elvis? We're gonna find out, everybody. As a community, we're gonna find out. I were you surprised they showed him riding the worm in the trailer? I was actually because it takes up a lot of room, but also, uh, I thought it was a fucking fantastic choice. I because, got so pumped because yeah. I'm like, if he showed us that, that's that was what everybody thought the crazy moment was going to be. Denis just threw that right out. So I'm like, what is going to happen? Like, I know there's a Water of Life scene that's really insane, but like, there are major characters that are not in the trailer. Uh, and that we actually don't know who has been cast yet. If the, if the character I'm thinking of is actually in the movie, we don't know who's playing her. And um, I, I'm just like, the the more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh my God, is this crazy motherfucker going to find a way to make Dune Messiah? Like, Dude, he wants this, to. He wants to. He I, yeah. says he would do it. I would be on board with that. I mean, just like, let this man cook. go on cook. a crazy desert quest he is one of the directors that has earned a blank check so i'm like at this point warner brothers if dune 2 does good numbers which i think it will you let denis do whatever the fuck he wants if he wants to do dune messiah everybody has said they'll come back absolutely i mean i think let's fucking go it's just such a testament to the fact that like you can be a crazy auteur and also and make also make huge movies and also be good to your actors. Like, Not be a dick. Don't be a dick. such a testament that people seem to genuinely love working with him yeah. and are excited I mean, knock about on wood, this. <laughs> knock on wood, I've never heard anything bad about Denis. Um, he's very respectful of everyone. His team loves him. Um, and, I'm like, you know, this is, this is yeah. the kind of creator you, you take care of. I'm like, take care of his team. Treat him with respect. Give him more opportunities to do things like text Timmy and say, it's Mwadib time. <laughs> it's Mwadib time. Oh, my God. And, like, also, hopefully, I, I hope the Academy is just waiting because they knew there would be a part two. Nominate him. He didn't even get nominated for the first one. Like, be respectful. Like, this is one of the auteurs that you keep claiming you want, right? A true visionary who's not doing, I mean, Dune is IP, but it's like highbrow IP. He hasn't done a Marvel film, you know, like. He's someone who made fucking a Blade Runner sequel that was fantastic. Like, this is is a guy who takes IP and actually knows how to do something with it. He's, and they, they have been allowing him to use his skill set and his unique visions as opposed to forcing him to bend to the demands of a franchise, which I is think also such a stark is, difference. He's very, uh, he's strong, <laughs> strong-willed. And I think he is being very careful with what he picks. 
And I respect that as well. Because even though Dune is IP, this is a man who was storyboarding ideas for Dune when he was like eight years old. So like, it is IP, but it's also been a massive passion project for him his whole life. Yeah. So that's why it's special. (laughs) You know, like, that's what gets me really excited because I know he has thought about every second just obsessively for decades. Yeah. And I... I love to be in a moment where I get to nerd out and like watch someone who has true generational talent, like Sam work on something that he loves, you know, it's the, it's a different feeling, but it, it gives me George Miller Fury Road vibes or Peter Jackson. You know, it's like, there's something really, (sighs) And I'm like, I'm aware that we're like just listing cis white men, which is part of the problem. <laughs> but like, <laughs> there is just something so rewarding about watching. It, it is like competency porn a little bit. Like somebody who is so qualified, so passionate, has been thinking about it for so long, get to execute it is like, how do you not love that? Yeah. Like, I just, and I Ugh, I I'm very passionate about Dune because like I don't understand how anybody saw it and wasn't immediately like had their face blown off. You know, like I'd never seen anything like that before, and it was really exciting. And to hear people be like, it was boring, <sighs> boring. Like I'm sorry, sir. And you know, you can do what I did, which was go and be a little bit too high off an edible. <laughs> That yeah, I I had the opportunity to go see it high, and I was like, I feel high already. If I do that, this is like I had a friend Elijah who maybe I shouldn't have said his name. It's fine. Um, he went to go see uh Into the Spider Verse when he was high, and I was like, I mean, how did that go? Because I already felt high watching that movie, and he's like, I don't remember the last like twenty five minutes. Unbelievable. I mean, I absolutely like lost my shit when the worm showed up. I was like, oh, I'm way too high for this. I'm way, Dude, way too high for this. And it's legitimately scary. Like the first time you see it in the distance, you just see the sand roll. I was like, oh, it's big. Like I, I was braced for it to be big. But when you see it at like the Lincoln Square IMAX, it's <gasps> yeah. so big. I was like, this is like intense. If I had been high, I would have had to leave. Yeah, I think the only reason why I didn't have a complete meltdown was that I was sitting right in the middle of an IMAX row. And I was like, you nope, can't, you can't, can't move, yeah. can't move. That's uh, going to be my situation. I am going to be like dead center, Lincoln Square Theater. Um, see it on the biggest screen you can, guys. I'm really hoping that Warner Brothers will not be fucking stupid and will re-release the first one, too. Oh, so, that would be... I, that would be so fun. Did I, I'm going to do a hard pivot. Is that okay? Yeah. I have one more recommendation and then you go first. I'll do mine. And then I think we can wrap up. That's fine. Sorry guys. I'm a little bit under the weather, so I'm, you know, we're not going to go off on a long tangent. Um, I just wanted to say out loud that, uh, a friend of mine here in Madison and I are, uh, putting things in motion to rent a theater to watch the Barbie movie. <gasps> oh my God. And she's very, uh, you know, she, they're very involved in the, the queer community, the roller derby community, the music community. So I'm like imagining like we are working on 
renting a small theater so that we can watch the Barbie movie with a bunch of Midwestern queers. And I just feel like the world needs to know. And I encourage people, if you think you might have the resources or the ability, look into that and see if you can find a way to do something like that. I'm not going to know barely anybody, but we're going to open it up and say, okay, are you part of this universe? Come join us. Let's have a Barbie party. And I think that it, you know, there's an, that's an option for people. It could be really fun. It ends up being like the cost. If you can get the things, if you can get the seats all filled, it ends up being essentially just the cost of a movie ticket. Um, Um, Let me know if you guys have like a tweet or anything you want me to retweet, even though Twitter's dead and I don't even know if anybody sees my post anymore. I'll retweet it if you want to try to get the word out. Yeah, absolutely. I just am, I'm so psyched and I am really leaning into using movies as a way to create community. Like I want to see all of this stuff. It's going to be great. I'm just want everybody to have fun. Such a fun idea. Um, and then my quick last recommendation is for jury duty on uh, Freebie. You've probably seen people posting about jury duty. It's a reality television show in which uh, there is a trial happening. There's a jury, uh, you know, judge, prosecutor, defense, all of the whole shebang, plot twist. Everybody's an actor except one guy on the jury who thinks the entire thing is real. It's like a feel-good Truman show. Um, It is, there's something very disturbing about it to the point where I watched the whole thing and everything's okay. It seems like everyone's all right. You know, like they do reveal to him at the end that everything was fake. Um, I just hope they never try it again. (laughs) Yeah. Because like, it was like an interesting experiment. They happened to pick the perfect guy to be okay that everything had been a lie. But even in that case, there's a moment where they tell him where you see him short circuit a little bit. That is frightening. And then he, he's just okay. It seems like, but I was like, Ooh, if that had gone bad, first of all, they wouldn't have aired it obviously, but they could have like ruined this guy. Cause he's been lied to for, you know, uh, many days. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I, I finally, it took me a while to actually go and and get started on it and then I immediately like watch every single one of them like it's so good it's so funny everyone's perfect I don't want to give away like even though he's in all of the promotional material I just somehow missed this one actor um there's like a pretty big celebrity <laughs> yeah who's wonderful uh and Who I've, I've since read has become real life friends they're with, real friends yeah, yeah like because which is lovely like like i said it's like the best possible outcome everybody seems fine he does get money at the end of it which is great he he seems like a terrific guy i'm just like let's not do this again because i feel like we got so lucky with him <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> and, and it is you know. genuinely if you can get past the, the gaslighty aspect of it uh so funny the moment that there's a this is kind of a spoiler i guess but he off the cuff is talking to the other jurors and one of the actors says to him how do you get out of jury duty and he says well on family guy peter pretends to be racist so the actor when he is being interviewed by the uh, judge says "Uh, i cannot serve on this jury and the judge says why not and the actor looks at him and 
his expression where he's like, oh my God, is he about to pretend to be racist is so good. Like you can't buy that moment. If those were two actors, it wouldn't work. It's the fact that he's really experiencing that panic in that moment where he's like, is he about to say he's racist? (laughs) And then he does. And then he does. And it's the funniest thing ever. Uh, But as Meredith said, you can just fly through that show. It's so easy to watch. Yeah. And uh, And a good reminder that people should want to be on juries if they get called. We all need to do our duty. Uh, It's and not just because we love to fuck with cops and uh, be the sticky wheel and are huge fans of nullification. Like there's value there. (laughs) Were you like so weirdly proud of Ronald? When he's the uh, the the foreperson of the the jury, so he's in charge of like basically trying to get the jury on the same page when they're they're voting for um, at the end. And there's like a moment where he decides that what the corporation is saying is bullshit, and that this worker was abused basically by his employer. And he's trying to convince the other jurors without swaying them, you know, without being too manipulative, just to like present the facts. Were you so proud of him when he like kicked into that gear? Oh my God, I was. I was just I like, was like, Ronald. Oh. <laughs> so proud of him. They, again, they just like picked a good person who like, listen, disclaimer, 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 never trust a man. I don't know what's going to happen five years from now. But like, in this show, he's such a good dude that, like, you are just rooting for him the whole time. Yeah, it's just really, it's just really lovely. It's delightful. It's was funny and felt great and thought out. And maybe it's just because trials have a structure. <laughs> so they had something <laughs> to work with. Built in, yeah. But uh, it's just the antithesis of everything that we were complaining about earlier. Exactly. So a big recommendation for jury duty on Freebie. Guys, we got to let Meredith go. She's got a rest for Eurovision. Uh, Please follow Meredith on the socials. Meredith L. Clark. Follow me at Allison Kilkenny. Follow the show, Light Treason Pod, or go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Become a patron over there. Send us those questions, comments, recommendations. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. While you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble.